Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Well, well, we uh, really want to start. Dale and Angela, please stand up for a moment. Dale and Angela have been leading uh, an amazing church in Campbelltown, Southwest, for the last 20 years. And they've just, uh, uh, the last month, last two months? How long ago was it? February. They handed over to a, a young couple called Reuben and his wife, Jade. That's right. And so they've done amazing, serving the kingdom, serving the Lord, serving God's people for 20 years. And they're still going to be serving, ministering and traveling. And, and they're, they're on the apostolic uh, NCMI team. So they'll be so traveling as well, especially when we're able to travel overseas again. But um, we just want to thank, thank you for, for visiting us and all the hard work you did serving God's people in our beautiful city. Bless you. He came from Tasmania, I remember, before he planted. We had a meeting in Darling Harbour when we first met. And he said, I've got, God called me to plant a church in Campbelltown. And this is like, obviously, more than 20 years ago. 25 years ago, wow. So it took him five years to, to come and do it. Huh? This, no, that was good. No, you did well. You did well. Well, we've got, just quickly before we dive into the Word, um, the last Sunday of June, we, uh, this will be our last um, service here, will be 10.30 service only. So there won't be two services, There's, there'll be one service. Please write that down. So, I mean, you'll be half an hour late if you came to an 11 o'clock service. So please come, to, you know, at 10.30 that last Sunday. But if you want to come and help us do the great move, the big move, and if you want to, you know... Bring some, bring a, a t-shirt. Of, you're happy to get dirty in and sweaty in. We're all gonna just those that want to help. We're gonna do, just do the big move across to uh, Leichhardt, and uh, we're excited about the move where God is leading us into. Um, it's a phenomenal building, and um, we'll be uh, leasing it for four years, and then we'll buy it after four years. But we, we're gonna give them a 1.2 million dollar deposit in August. So in August, that's um, that's when we sign the lease and the contract. But they're going to let us use it early July for, for a month, uh, free of charge, which is gracious of the owner. But we have a one-year f- um, free rent, and then we start paying rent for three years, and then we buy the building. And so, um, as I said earlier, we as a church from many, many years ago, we've been, you know, from time to time, we've been re- receiving heart, to, heart for the House offering. And so we've raised $600,000. So by the time we leave this building... Um, we, we're trusting God, we should have about 650000 So we are going to raise $550,000 in the next few months. And so uh, we are doing a Kingdom Builders dinner night. And so the, on your screen will be the QR code. If you really want to be a part of our journey, we'll be doing this once a year as well. And just um, we're going to share the vision about how we're moving forward. And obviously we're going to speak more intimately and speak into the fact of Raising, if you feel like you want to substantially give towards um, the future and our building, and again, substantial is different to every one of us, but in your heart, whatever you feel, I want to be a part of that journey, I want to, I want to help make a leg- legacy because really, we're not giving just for ourselves, we're giving for the next generation. You know, the church will own a building, and so whenever we, Christian and I, hands over, it's no people own it, the church will own it, you know. Um, and so, if you want to just take a photo. Get on to that. If you've got a minute, you can probably um, register so you don't forget. Because we do need to know catering numbers by Tuesday. All right? Because we're putting on a dinner. It's, it's a free night. for You don't have to pay for the dinner. But we're going to be speaking into our future and, and um, encouraging us on how we're going to do this together. Already, there was a church, there was a church, a partnering church, NCMI partnering church. They gave me a call on... Friday, I think it was. They said they've been seeking God. They really believe um, they, they've been talking to the elders and to their deacons, and they all feel in agreement, and they wanted to give towards our building fund, and um, which is really encouraging. And so he said he's, he's you know, he's going to put in our account uh, Monday. He's, he's, they're actually giving thirty thousand dollars, which is it's really encouraging when other churches, other partnering churches that we we've known them for many, many, many years. To, to be able to just, you know, that's it. You know, we, we're giving because, you know, God's spoken to us to give to you. But we also, we also believe in for breakthrough. We know this is God's pattern. And God's pattern is giving. And it's just the way you, you know, they as a church need breakthrough. So all of a sudden it stirs my heart. or Hopefully it stirs our heart to pray for them as well. And God just keeps adding. But we've already raised $104,000, which is amazing. We haven't even started, really. That's very few people that have given. 
and we've raised $104,000. So um, we will get there because of God's generosity in our hearts. Amen? And all I'm, all I'm asking is, ask God, what can I give? And if we all do something, we all give what we can give, you'll be surprised what God can do. We're bringing that two, was it? Two fishes? Five loaves. Thank you. <laughs> Just bringing what we have to God. He multiplies it. Amen? Wonderful. Um, in the nine o'clock service, you know, uh, as we were worshiping, uh, this, this scripture I was going to read, but it really, uh, the Lord reminded me and I, and I felt just to read it and it really touched my heart. Um, James chapter one, I just want to read it from verse 21 as we dive into the word. It says, therefore, putting aside all filthiness, filthiness speaks of unholiness and all that remains of wickedness, putting aside all of that, the word wicked means perverted, anything that's perverted, Right away from truth in humility receive the word implanted in humility something beautiful about humility it really is because without humility we won't receive the word of God implanted if we think we already know it I've got that and we're going to go into the timeless truth of God's word so we're going to look at some of the truths that you are very familiar with I'm very familiar with I can grow so accustomed to these truths that are so eternally powerful that I just read and glance over and go, yeah, I know that. But if I know it with my head and I don't actually believe it in my heart, there's no power in it. And so in humility, receive the, the word of God implanted. The word implanted literally means that, to implant the word into your heart like a seed. So Father, I pray every single one of us, we, just, we step into humility with an act of choice. We just say, God... We come empty, we come, we know without you we can do nothing, but with you we can do all things. So we humble ourselves. Teach us your word, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you go to Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11 tells us, we're just going to start with this timeless, timeless truth that everyone knows and everyone pretty much believes. But well, well, I say we believe, we sort of know it here. It's a mental ascent, but do we really know it in our hearts? And it's found in verse 3 of chapter 11. It says, By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared or framed by the Word of God. The word word there is rima. Every time you look it up and you look up the actual word, is it logos or is it rima? The word here is rima. It means it's God's spoken word. He uttered it. So we know that we can understand that the whole world, the word world there is, speaks of the universe. Everything created, God spoke it into existence. We believe that. Most of us sit here and go, yeah, of course, we know that. The Bible says that. But think about the power of God's spoken word. Everything that's created is so powerful that He spoke it into existence. It says, so that what is seen, everything that you can see was not made out of things which are visible. And that's a bit obvious. We know that. Everything that's physically, the universe, the stars, the sun, the moon, the mountains, everything that's physical was not made by visible thing. It was the spirit, it was the spirit of the living God. In Genesis 1, in the Hebrew, we know it, it reads this way. It says, when God created everything, it says, God said, this is how it reads in the Hebrew, light be and light was. So God's out there and nothing is in existence, nothing physical. And, and God goes, light be. That's how powerful he is. We take for granted the power of God's spoken word. I, I look at the sun sometimes and I think, God, I know the Bible says this, and we've spoken this before. The Bible says when Jesus comes back on the clouds of glory, the reason why there's about five or six different um, uh, prophets and in, throughout the whole Bible, it's all over the Bible. Matthew says it, Daniel says it, Revelation says it, um, the gospel says it. So many say it. Isaiah says it. The sun will be darkened. When Jesus comes back. The, in the day of the Lord, the sun will, bear, will not bear its light. It will be dark and the moon will, sh will not shed its light. The stars will not shine. Why? Because the glory of Jesus coming back to this planet is so powerful, so bright that the sun turns dark. And I look at the sun and I go, God, we'd so take it for granted. If that sun, it's a ball of fire, it's a gas, and it's on fire. It's a planet that's on fire. We're so dependent on it. If it blew up, we're all dead. It just happened to blow up. Thank God it won't because God never said it will. <laughs> but we just take it for granted. Yeah, it'll rise again. It'll set again. It'll rise again. It'll set again. If that thing blew up, we're gone. We're so dependent on a physical planet that's on fire. But it's God behind the fire. It's God behind that planet. I, I want us to remember that God spoke that into existence. 
And yet God is, if you, you're in the presence of God, the sun doesn't even, doesn't even compare to God's fiery presence. And God's glory, God's splendor. And when He speaks, He spoke the whole universe into existence. Now this is another timeless truth that we've got to not just, oh yeah, I know that. Do we actually believe it? Where the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 that God made us in His image and in His likeness. Just let that sink for a sec, please. Don't just think, oh yeah, I know that. But do you really believe that we're made in His image and His likeness? That you are made in His image and His likeness? The way God operates is the way we're supposed to operate. The way God is, in His nature, we're supposed to do that. If God created everything to, into existence by His Word, there's power in our words. And you know, Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, you know the Scripture, death and life is in the power of the tongue. And they that love it, love what? Love the revelation, will eat the fruit thereof. Death and life in the power of the tongue. I sometimes wonder about this. How does it actually work when you're spiritually dead? Because we were without Christ. When we're not in Christ, we're dead. And so the words, I'm adding God's image. So if I speak words of death, words that are negative, words that are full of fear, words that are full of doubt, words that are full of insecurity. If I speak that out, if I speak words that are birthed out of death, I produce death in my life. If I always speak out of insecurity and fear and unbelief, is that, is that what's coming out? No one loves me. Everybody, I hate everybody. Everyone, hates, everyone hurts me and abuses me. If you, you got neglected, abused, rejected, and you're so hurt with life and hurt with people and don't believe in anybody, don't believe in God, you don't believe in yourself, you know, no one loves me, you're full of hatred. Think smart. That's what you speak. If that's what you speak, you're going to produce that. In that fashion, in that way, you're made in the image of God. Because when He speaks... Everything God says, when He says something, it has the power in that word to produce. And every time God speaks, He speaks it with a purpose. And so think about we're made in God's image. And the one that some of us don't have power in our words, why? You know why God doesn't just automatically give you power in your words? Because when you're driving down the highway and someone cuts you in, you go, ah, you stupid idiot. That guy would go, ah, just become an idiot. (laughs) Whatever that looks like. If you say, damn, you go to hell. If you had power in your words, you'd go, wham, go straight to hell. If you had power in your words, the way God has power in his words. So God can't entrust you with that weaponry, that sort of power, if you speak any old way. If you speak from the flesh and we speak in the spirit of death, we're going to produce death. And Because it, it, it's, it's, it's the degree of our faith. So the degree of our faith, if we speak... It'll produce, and even in fear, if the degree of your fear, if you speak out of fear, it will produce. It's just the opposite force of faith. So death and life is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat their fruit thereof. If I made it God's image, God's trying to teach us to speak the way He would speak. God calls those things that be not as though they were. He looks at something, and He can see what they are, and He speaks that out before it actually is in the physical. And then it happens because He spoke it. So there's the same principle. I'm trying to help us see how we put the word into practice. It's the same principle. We've got to put that into practice. Do you really believe death and life in the power of your tongue? If you did and I did, I would never speak a negative word ever again. I believe this since the day I was not. The day that I got saved was 19. And I'm driving here on this way, and I think, God, when I share, I want it to be reality. I want people to understand. Give me illustrations, examples. We need to understand. And the Lord reminded me, the road you were on, you know, Drinking, getting drunk, drugs, nightclubbing, breakdancing. That road, I had a lot of best friends. That We were a circle of friends. I got saved at 19. God took me off that road and put me on his kingdom. The path of life. Taught me how to speak. Taught me how to relate with him. Taught me how to have a relationship. He put the word in my heart over and over for many, many years. I started to speak with God. If I was on that road, most of my friends, some of them are dead. Some of them are in jail. Some of them that are married, been divorced. I've got a child with this woman, another child with another woman. They're not in relation with their kids. Just devastation everywhere. Heartache and real devastation. And I'm just trying to say, I was on that road. And I would have stayed on that road. And I would have produced the same devastation. No difference in the person or the ground of the heart. I came off that by God's grace. And God taught me the word. And I've got amazing, by God's grace, amazing fruit. A beautiful wife, children that are serving God, loving God, and on the path of, you know, like, I sometimes wonder, what are my mates? Because, you know, they're on Facebook, they're all friends now. On social media, and we're all connect, reconnected. I wonder what they see. What do they see? 
Oh, they're just too good. And sometimes they're, maybe they're just these two good issues. They go to church and they don't see the reality of the kingdom. And so Matthew 4, verse 4, this is where Jesus was tempted by, the, by Satan. And, you know, when, after 40 days of fasting, um, you know, if you, the son of God, turn the bread, turn the stone, sorry, turn the bread. We said it was bread in the desert. Turn the stone into bread. Now, I've gone on long fast. I was never tempted to turn stone into bread. Yet. But Jesus had the reality that he's the son of the living God and the reality of identity of who he was. He didn't even, want to, he didn't even address the identity question from the Satan. He just says, man shall not live on bread alone. But every word that proceeds out of the mouth, every word is the every rima. Is that rima again? Every spoken word. What he's saying is we're not designed by God to only eat physical food. We're also designed by God, created by God, to actually eat spiritual food. I'm not going to after 40 days of not eating. We're not created just for the physical food. I'm not going to fall for it. Because man shall live on every word out of the mouth of God. What it's saying is you're not really living unless you're living off the word of God. The Rima word, God speaking to you. You're not living life to the way God created you and God created me to live unless I listen and hear the voice of God for his word. I, I hear the speak, God speaking to me. That's real life. That's real living. You and I are not living if we don't hear his voice and his word. Because you weren't created to live on your own. You were created for relationship with him. And so it just gives us the emphasis of relationship and to hear his voice. Mark chapter 7, verse 13. If you haven't got your Bibles or your iPads or you, don't, you can't flick through your iPads fast enough, I'm encouraging you to write down these scriptures and please go through them in your own time. I'm serious. Like Just meditate on it. Get it into your spirit. I'm meditating on that and I'm getting into my spirit and I, I'm stirred by it and I'm reminded by these, these timeless truths. Like we just talked about the powerful word of God that is eternal. Every word from God has the power in itself to produce. If I had a seed, I should have brought a seed. But every seed that you have has the power within itself to actually reproduce itself. It's the, the DNA, the information in the seed can make a tree. Because the information to be bark, to, to be wood, to be roots, to be leaves, to be fruit, to be seed. It's in there. Jam-packed with power to reproduce the seed. But the seed won't produce up on a shelf or in a jar. It has to find the right environment, the right ground. The right environment, the light, the sun, the water. It needs the right good ground for it to produce. Or it's useless. It's not powerful unless it has the right environment. Right? The Word of God is similar. It's the same. So, so Jesus is now saying, he's given us an example of how we can nullify the Word of God. And he says here in verse 9, he was also saying to them, you are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your traditions. Imagine being an expert at setting aside the God's Word in order to keep your traditions. Now let, let's look at what Jesus is really saying, the wisdom behind what he's saying. He says, for Moses said, Honor your father. Moses gave this word from God. Honor your father and your mother. And he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever I have that would have helped you is Corban, that is to give, is given to God. What they're saying is they made a tradition that whatever I should have given to you, to mom and dad, and I should have honored you and helped you and support you, what I would have, what you would have been benefited by my life, I'm giving this to God so I can't help you. So out of your tradition, you're not honoring your mother and father anymore. And what, what, is, what does he say? He says, You no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus invalidating the word of God. Invalidating means to nullify the word's power. You invalidate the, God's word by not, what is it? It's, it's upholding the tradition as higher value in your mind, so you do the tradition and you forget the word. And Jesus said, Jesus said, which you have handed down, and you do many things such as that. It's not just this one that I'm using. Jesus used the honoring the father and mother example. And now you're saying, because I've dedicated my life to God, what I would have been, you know, benefited to bless your life with my life, I would have honored you, taken care of you. I can't take care of mom and dad because I'm, on, I'm, I'm serving God. Yeah, it's a tradition, man-made. And now you nullified the word. You can't fulfill the word, and you've nullified it. Because there are many other such things like this you do. Our context may be this. Just, just help us think. In our context, our worship, 
we can have a cultural tradition in the Western world. You can fall into the tradition that it's about performance. It's about entertainment. It's about make sure it sounds perfect, sounds nice, everything's right. So it's performance. It's a show. It's entertaining. That's just a traditional cultural. If we lean towards that, it's, it's a mistake. Other than actually worshiping Jesus. Like we, in our hearts, give glory and worship to King Jesus. Like when we worship Him today, like King Jesus, you know, your name, your name is victory. And we're worshiping, we're forgetting about ourselves. We're worshiping, glorifying Him. We're ministering to Him. We're blessing His name. That's worship. But the tradition can nullify true, the, the power of true worship. We can do that for many, many things. And that's what Jesus is saying. They fell into many, many things like that. The tradition of believing, oh, no. Nah, what is it? Uh, healing it doesn't happen today. Some people teach. Healing stopped with the apostles. Healing doesn't happen then, yes, but not now. It's, it's fallen away. It's past. And all this. And that's just a, a traditional teaching or a teaching that's not true from the Word. And so you nullify the power of praying for someone, for, praying for someone to be healed. One thing I know that I've learned out of experience, that if you don't believe in praying for the sick and never pray for the sick, guess what? Sick will never get healed. It's a joke. You know, if you're not praying for someone, they'll never get healed. Of course they won't get healed because you don't pray for them. But if you've been traditionalized and taught that, no, it's not for today. The power's not for today. It was for the apostles. We do that with a lot of, a lot of the scriptures. Holy Spirit's not for today. They're speaking in tongues. It was for those days, but not now. But it's still in the Bible. Look, I don't, look we've all come from different backgrounds, different traditions. And some traditions, you know, it doesn't make the heart wrong or the people wrong in the sensitive motives. But the tradition of being taught to baptize babies, when the Bible says, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved, he who repents and is baptized shall be saved, that tells me you have to be old enough to repent and to believe. So if I baptize as a baby and don't be baptized as an adult, I'm doing the tradition of what people have taught and not what the Word of God has taught. We lose the power again. Just, it's, 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 it happens so slowly. It happens so Little by little, it's a little way of getting off track. I'm just trying to help us think. There's a lot of Jesus said, There's many such things as these that you do. I want the power of God's word. I, want, I know you want the power of God's word. I believe this is the way God's going to bring the church back into his power. And so it's all over the Bible. You know, it's James, you know, that chapter one, we read it earlier, just it was before, but when it says, Receive the engrafted word, receive the word of God implanted. So that it may save your souls. Don't, it says, don't just be hearers of the word, deceiving yourselves, be doers. There's one thing, hearing the word, so to be a doer, is, it, it, it takes, it, it's planted and it takes root. And now it takes root, it's a part of you. You're living it. Okay, you're living the word. Mark chapter 4 tells us, again, Jesus is really, Jesus is, is a genius in unraveling the enemy's tactics. Absolute genius. Why? Because he's the son of the living God. He just exposed absolutely everything that Satan has against the church in one parable. We just got to believe it when you read it. But like when you read, look, it says, Jesus says in verse 13 of chapter 4, and he said to them, do you, under, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And he started with saying the sower sows the seed. Then he actually explains the word, the sower sows the word. So the seed is the word. So the seed, work, the, the word works like a seed. We just said a seed has the power within itself to produce. But unless it's in the right environment, it won't produce. The word of God, spoken by God, has the power to reproduce. But it has to fall in good ground. And so he goes on to say, these are the ones who are beside the road. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. No one sows seed to throw it on the road. No one sows seed to put it on footpath. Because some fell on the footpath, which is the road. You don't do that on purpose. You, you, you grab in the seed, you want it to fall on good ground, so you're flowering it. In those days, they would have a basket or a big bag at the back, pick it up and throw it. They plow the ground, make sure it falls. But sometimes it fell on the footpath, he's saying. And it says, Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. Stop for a second. Does Satan have the power to take the word? Does Satan have the power to attack the word? Let's say it that way. If the word is light, Psalms 119 says, you know, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my pathway. God's word is light, full of light. How could Satan or these evil spirits attack the word if the word's full of light? Can't. He knows he can't take, touch the word or attack the word, but he touch, attacks our heart. 
our soil. The only way Satan can in any way affect the word is as he takes away the word from their heart. And in this way, he just says, that's not true. And you, it, there's a first wave of attack. Um, someone teaches about healing and then the devil says, no, that's not true. You know, you got prayed for, you never got healed. Check your, check your f- feelings, check your symptoms. You're still there. Yeah, it's still there. Oh, it doesn't work. So if he gets you on that front, then you just give up. Oh, the healing's not for today. You were taken out by Satan because he just lied to you and you believed the lie. So the word of God is start to none, none effect. Following. So the first wave of attack is just lie to your mind and you just accept it. If you don't have the word to filter the lie, you don't know how to cast it out. And so in, in a similar way, these are the ones on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places. Again, no one wants to sow seed on rocky places with no soil, but very little soil. You don't do that on purpose. Yes, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no firm root in themselves. There's not enough soil for the root to grow, but are only temporary. Then when affliction or persecution comes or troubles or heartaches arises because, what does it come for? Because of the word. Immediately, it says here they, are, they fall away. The word there, you look it up, is scandalous. It's offended. Immediately they are offended and they fall away. So, the re- so what Satan tries to do is, is in his cunningness, he'll do anything he possibly can to offend you and I. He doesn't care what offends you. Even it's real, real injustice. Even if it's real neglect, even if the pain and how tr- people treated you, even in church, even in church, it happens because no one's perfect in church. So even in church, he'll use people closest to you to hurt you, ne- let you down. You had an expectation, didn't get met, whatever it is. He wants to get you offended because if he can get you offended, your heart won't produce the word. And some people get offended, go to another church to wait a few years and only get offended again to find another church. To wait a few years, get offended again to find another church. We've got a big Roman church going on. The, the largest church is the Roman church. Roaming around. We, we, the word offense. I mean, Joseph was offended. I mean, Joseph could have got offended. His own brothers betrayed him. If anyone had a right to be offended, Joseph should have just been offended. His brothers betray him to slavery. And then he gets accused of rape, which he didn't do. I mean, you think, see, at that point, he could have got offended with God. Where are you, God? Why aren't you protecting me? Why, what's this happening to me? For Why am I in prison? You know what I'm saying? So, so it doesn't matter what happens to you. The issue is, are you going to allow it to offend you? Because that will stop the word from working. Please hear my heart, because I want the word of God to work in your life. I want the word of God to be fruitful. It says, the, uh, the other one, it says, and others are the ones in whom the seed was sown among the thorns. Again, if there's thorns, plants with thorns, you're not going to put the seed right there on purpose. It says, the, uh, among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. At one point it was getting fruitful, but the thorns got so Growing, growing, you feeding the cares, the deceitfulness, the busyness, the cares, the worries of this world, lust of other things. It doesn't matter if it's a good thing. It just means that that took over your whole life and all your attention went to there. And what happens is that thorn is eating up. The roots grow into the ground. It eats up all the nourishment and the word can't produce, even though it's eternal in its power, even though it's almighty in its power. The word is almighty or powerful. God spoke the whole universe by his word. And these are the ways that can nullify the word in our hearts. And Satan tries his best, but you don't have to, because when it fell, you don't have to give him that power. When it fell on good ground, it produced 30, 60, 100 fold back. Isn't that powerful? If you quickly turn to Luke 26, we read the story of Mary, where the angel Gabriel comes and visits her. What an honor. It's an amazing, amazing, powerful encounter. And she hears from God the Father through the angel Gabriel. And you read it in um, verse 26 quickly. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. I don't know how to do an angel's voice, but, but she, was very, she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. She said, what's happening? What's an angel? Why is an angel visiting me? And the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Why would he say that? Because she's shaking with fear. Most stories in the Bible, every time they saw an angel, they're shaking with fear. 
Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. They all expected the Messiah. So this is phenomenal for her. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? She's actually asking in what way, how, in what manner, in what means. She wasn't doubting it. She's saying, how is this going to happen because I'm a virgin? So then he explains, he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even, in, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. Everyone called her barren. She who was called barren. You know that lady there? She's barren. You know that barren woman? Yeah, yeah, barren woman. Yeah, barren. You know barren. Yeah, she's very barren. You know that barren? She's tried all her life, never got barren. She's really barren. She just got called barren all the time. All her life tried to get, become pregnant. And it says, for nothing will be impossible with God. That word nothing, when you look it up, it's for no word or no promise from God is empty of its power. You look at it actually, the word, because it's talking about getting a word from God. And now you're Mary. Some people say she was 14 to 16. Let's say she's 15, 16. I don't know. Sounds very young, doesn't it, these days? But she was young, precious, pure, vulnerable, innocent, faith filled. And this angel reveals to her. You're going to bear the Son of God. And she says, how can this? In what manner? I'm, I'm a virgin. I've never known a man. And he said, this way. It's going to have a and, she said, and she said, be it unto me. This is her response after that. Be it unto me according to your word. That's all, and then that's all we, what I'm asking us to do, have this attitude like Mary had. Be it unto me according to your word. You say this about me, be it unto me according to your word. You say I'm forgiven, be it unto me according to your word. You say I'm totally forgiven of all my past, be it unto me according to your word. I have no past anymore because you said it. If I'm a new creation in Christ, I've come to Christ, I'm a brand new creation. There is no past to talk about. The enemy lies to me about the past. I haven't got a past. I'm a brand new baby. Baby baby in the Lord. I haven't got a past. I totally believe what he says. If he says I can lay hands on the sick. When I first became a Christian, I read the Bible and I read you can lay hands on the sick. I said, what are we doing? Why don't we go to the hospitals right now? No jokes. I said, let's go. What are we, we should be praying for them. Let's pray for the sick. The Bible says we've got the power. Like, just believe the word. Be it unto me according to your word. Now, it has to happen in the way that when the word, when he speaks to you, he speaks out of revelation. So when the revelation comes out of relationship, you're saying, be it unto me according to your word. That's from your heart, isn't it? It's a relationship. That's Mary's response. She allowed God to do a supernatural thing. She could have thought, hang on a sec. I'm a ver- You're saying I'm not going to have intimacy with any man, with my husband. I'm not going to have intimacy, but I'm going to have a baby. That's a real miracle, isn't it? Virgin birth. What? But she believed it. It's an impossible situation. But she said, God, you said it. I believe it. This is how faith works. God spoke to Abraham that way. What was he? 75 when he first spoke. God spoke to him. Didn't have the baby until he was 100. And his wife was 65. She was 90. And eventually says he was fully persuaded that God had the power to produce what he promised. Fully persuaded. He kept giving thanks to God. It took a long time. 25 years is a long time. But he got to a place where he just thanked God. Thank you, God. You have the power to do it. It's that faith. And you find in Luke chapter 1, this is a story of Zacharias and Elizabeth. Gabriel just mentioned it. That no word from God has void of its power. And so um, you find here quickly in verse, we pick it up from verse 11. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right hand of the altar in incense. Now, just to give you a picture, Zacharias is a high priest. And he's, he's very old now. And all his life, he's tried to have a baby, a son. His dream is to have a child, to have a boy. That's his dream. They've tried and tried and tried all their life. And near the end, they pretty much, pretty, he probably pretty much left, gave up hope. But his prayers were before the Father. And God answered his prayer, even though he gave up hope. And listen to this. Because he prayed, he prayed, he prayed. And, and, and Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel. And fear gripped him. 
But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition, your prayers, has been heard, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you will give him the name John. Like he's bringing him some really, really, really good news. You're going to have a child. You're going to call him John. You'll have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And he will drink no wine, no liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while he's in the mother's womb. I mean, that's amazing. In the womb, filled with the Holy Spirit. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It's like Gabriel's given a, a little sermon, a little message, a little mini sermon. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient of the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zacharias said to the angel, Zacharias responded, watching, looking, seeing, speaking to an angel. How will I know this for certain? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. I don't know if, if you really catch this and really believe this, it's actually very, very funny. Now, I don't know if, it, I don't know if an angel can get angry. I believe maybe it does, does, an angel doesn't get angry. But he definitely got firm. And he definitely sort of just stated the reality of what's actually happening. So it's like, it's like Zacharias, wake up to what's actually happening. You're speaking to an angel. An angel speaking to you. You're seeing an angel and you're speaking to an angel. is magnificent, glowing with glory and splendor. This is Gabriel. And look what he says. And he goes, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. I'm, like, I don't know what that means to you, but when I, when I think about God and He's more powerful, more brighter, more fiery than the sun, more glorious, more splendorous, no flesh can see God and live. And, and Gabriel said, I just want to remind you, I'm Gabriel, I've come from the presence of God. It's like fiery, glorious presence where angels have to fly around God, and, holy, 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 all God, all, for all eternity, just full of eyes you know those wings full of eyes body full of eyes wings from out, outside is full of eyes inside is full of eyes they've got six wings six free there and free here and they're just holy holy this God Gabriel's saying just want to remind you I've come from the presence I stand in the presence of God it's like it's almost like saying, it's almost like saying Zacharias what aren't you getting because he says how will I know this for certain I'm an old man you're just looking at an angel the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. I have, been, I have been sent to you to speak to you and bring to you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent, muted, unable to speak until the day when these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Why? Now, I don't get this. I don't fully understand that when we get to heaven, I can ask Gabriel and the Lord. And, and, but you think of Abriel. Uh, Gabriel, did he know he was going to respond that way? Was he already told if he responded? Well, God the Father knows everything. Did God the Father say, look, he's going to respond this way, then say this? I, I wonder if Gabriel, or did the Father speak to him straight away and say, mute him. But why was he muted? Can I tell you why I believe he was muted? I believe he was muted because if he let him keep speaking that way, the miracle would never happen. Because he's got so much power, yes, this guy has to, let's mute him so he doesn't wreck the miracle. Because he's got so much power. So remember death and life and the power of your tongue? You're made in God's image. You're made in God's likeness. We've got to mute this guy or else his miracle will never happen. So he couldn't speak. I mean, that's a humbling thing. Imagine not speaking for nine months until the baby comes. And until he wrote down John, then his mouth got released. That's not how you respond. How can this happen like I'm an old man? Like when you're looking at a, a Gabriel, the angel. But Mary said, be it unto me according to your word. I look at this and I think, now if physically he got muted because he didn't believe the word. Are we spiritually muted because we don't believe the word? Have we been muted to the world, unable to speak with authority and speak to them because we don't actually believe the word? If the word of God says something, I'm going to say, God, help me just to believe it. When God says something to me, I'm just going to believe it. It goes against my head, my head knowledge, my logical brain tells me, what about this, what about that, this, what about You can have paralysis of analysis, as they say. You analyze yourself into paralyzed paralysis. You know, Ephesians, just want to show you something. I am going to close. 
Can, who gives me five more minutes? Something? Five? 10, 15, 20, 25. <laughs> joke, joke. That's a preacher's joke. <laughs> Ephesians, I won't do that. <laughs> Ephesians, quickly. Ephesians 6. Have you heard that joke, Dale? <laughs> All right, I'm trying to get to it. Ephesians. Ephesians 6. Quickly, we're going to close in a sec. 6, you talk about the armory. You know the armory. The whole armor of God is righteousness. It's the armor. It's the shield of faith that quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked one. I'll tell you what, faith is so powerful. So powerful, it's not funny. It quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked one. The breastplate of righteousness and holiness, it protects your internal organs. Satan can't get to them if you walk in holiness and purity. If you walk in unrighteousness and impurity and unholiness and stuff, you're open to the enemy. He'll attack your internal organs, you get taken out straight away righteousness protection you've got the armor shield of faith feet shot of the preparation of the gospel of peace your only attacking weapon the absolute only attacking weapon you know it I, tr- I trust you know it is the says and take the helmet of salvation protecting your brain your mind everything salvation sozo and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God your only attacking weapon everything else is to protect you in a sense your weapon of attack is this is a, take the sword of this it works like a sword in the spirit world take the sword of the spirit which is the word of god with all prayer and petition why is that there because in the you take the sword of the spirit you pray pray petitions times in the spirit uh, uh, sorry praying at all times in the spirit with this in mind alert with perseverance and petitions for all the saints so this is the power that we have you know action movies who likes action? I, like, I like watching action action movies and in an, a real good action movie there's always that scene where they open up those double doors and there's those whole wall cabinet full of weaponry you know the big one big guns and, and, and machine guns and everything bazookas and it's like yeah and they open, they're in their suits and some of us are like that we've got these weaponry up on the shelf never using it those weapons won't take out any enemy unless someone's behind it using it so your power comes with the word being in you and then you speaking the word that God has spoken to you. You can't, unless it's input, there's no output. So I'm encouraging us, put the word in as much as you can. We've got technologies that we could be cleaning and hearing the word. We could be working, if you can work and hear the word, it depends on your work, of course. So please make sure you can work properly for your boss. But in some places you can still hear the word. If I mow the lawns, I'm weeding, I'm cleaning, I'm painting, whatever I'm doing, I can do two, I'm going to hear the Word. When I'm driving, I'm hearing the Word. The Bible, podcasts, you know, so many things. Just get the Word in. Spend time in this Word for yourself. Meditate. Get it in. You know how powerful this sword of the Spirit is? We haven't got time to go through it, but I'll give you the Scriptures. Revelation 19, verse 15 and 19 talks about the Armageddon war. This is right at the end. The Valley of Megiddo in Israel, the Bible says the, na- the nations of the earth will come there to fight. The armies of the east will come up. All the armies. It's in Ezekiel 2. And it says the, the, the blood of all the nations will be up to the bridle of the horse. And it's for kilometers for, as far as you can see. The Bible says Jesus comes back to stop the war of all wars. That's the last war that will ever be on this planet. Jesus comes back with, a white, with his white horse. With his robe, the Bible says, dipped in blood. Personally, I'd love to know if this is true. I don't know 100% if it's true, but I think when we get to heaven, when we ask Jesus, I personally think it is true. And I said, Lord, why would your robe be dripped in blood before you go to the war? People think it's a picture because he's going to war, but he's coming from heaven, robe dripped in blood. I believe he took his robe and dripped it in his blood in heaven at the altar. Because his blood's at the altar in heaven. Bible says that in Hebrews 9 and 10. I believe he dips it because it gives him that righteousness and justice and authority to judge the nations. This is his own blood. He's going to judge the nations. Bible says, by the sword that came out of his mouth, he smote the nations in one go. That's how powerful the sword is in the lips of Jesus. In one go. It's over. Finishes it sword in his mouth we might go but Leah, that's Jesus <laughs> Revelations 11 2 have a look for yourself there's two witnesses they're not Jesus they're human beings men 
like you and I. Elijah was a man like you and I. These two witnesses said they have the power to stop the heavens from raining. They have the power to make it rain again. They have the power to put blood, uh, was it, turn the rivers into blood, to curse the earth with blood, plagues of all sorts at their will. It actually says a fire comes out of their mouth when they speak. That's how they, they tell, how does the power come? By speaking. I don't know what it does for you, but I think God, let this word change and transform us. It's got to come in to be able to speak it with power. Because we, we transform the world around us. We shape the world around us by the words we speak, but it's according to the faith we have. True? It's always according to the faith you have. That's why it's got to be real to you. Timeless truth. These are eternal truths that will never change. And we have them. This treasure, people shed their blood for put this in print, you know that. They were burnt alive just to get it in our hands. Just because they interpreted it from Latin to English, they got killed. We got it. People laid down their life. We got it. Got a treasure. Let's not take it for granted and say, God help me. All of us, can we pray? Just say, oh, Father, help us. In all humility, receive the word of God implanted. Let it be planted. Let it be planted. Let it be planted, Lord. Seeds, unless it goes in the soul, will not produce the fruit. The power in the seed to reproduce is only when it's in our hearts. So, Father, we humble ourselves. And we say, God. We get rid of all filthiness. We get rid of all um, wickedness. We get rid of everything that distracts us. Things of this world that so easily distracts us. We make a decision in our hearts to let it go now. And say, Father, take this word and, and just fill our hearts with it. So out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. Jesus, you said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man. Out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. For out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. We thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Oh, Leon, I wanted to ask Leon to pray. He felt for us to come into some sort of, I don't know how to explain it, repentance. And just say, God, we acknowledge this and we receive it. Because we have to agree with it. We have to witness it. It means nothing if you mentally assent it. It means something if you accept it here. Yeah, why don't we just stand to our feet? I'm just convinced there has to be a response to this word. I think there's like another pandemic that's going on that's gone under the radar. And I think it's the church abandoning his word. Um, we have to be like, it's, it's not a guilt thing. Guys, this is not a guilt thing. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. This is an awareness thing, a revelation thing. And you can only respond to this out of revelation, okay? If you don't got revelation for this, just let this pass over you because I don't want to condemn anyone. But I just feel um, we have to be probably the most biblically illiterate and word illiterate generation that the church has ever seen birthed, right? It comes because we're in the information age. We've, we've got it, like Dad said, like we've got those guns on the wall and we feel like, wow, our artillery is like massive. We can just, we've got access to everything at any moment. We just Google the word that we need. Uh, I'm battling depression, I'll Google it. I'm battling anxiety, I'll Google it. But it's like we're not ready with the sword yielded, uh, wielded, right? And I was thinking about stories I've heard about dad. When dad first got saved, sorry to embarrass you. When dad first got saved, he was obsessed and devouring the word. And like the stories of like he'd be, you know, in his room uh, with the light on and, and his, my nonna would come in and tell him to turn the lights off. He's wasting electricity. So he'd get a torch out, reading the Bible in the dark. And, and just like how, what sort of value do we actually... What, how much do we treasure God's Word, right? If the sword is the only offensive weapon that we have, how else can we tear down generational curses and break the power of sickness and disease, see families restored in love? And I, I worry that we've disarmed ourselves because we've become a generation um, of His church that doesn't wield His Word. And, and the question is, how often are we sitting down to listen? How often are we reading, right? We, we heard last week something like only 20% of the church read daily. So I want to challenge us to repent, okay? So I'm going to invite you, if you can, if you're physically able, to respond in a moment. I think, like, let's get down on our knees and cry out and just repent. And we pray that by the power of His Spirit, he, He'd stir us um, 
to desire, to have an appetite for his word again. I le- this morning after the 9 a.m. service, I, I left to the, my, my wife's not here this morning. I went to the kitchen and I just called her straight away. Because like, I, I almost feel like there'll never be enough value that we can place in his word. Like we, we'll always undervalue it. And I was just, I'm just like, man, we have not valued his word the way that we should. And, um, and I just felt like it was an urgent thing. We can't have a silent, like dad said, we can't have a silent disempowered people due to a dishonor for his word. Like Zacharias, he missed out on honoring the word. You know, there, there are people that have died with regret. The last couple of years, I've seen many people die in our family. And um, I've seen people like at the, on their deathbed, they're, they're speaking truth all of a sudden. They're like, guys, we need to fight for unity. We need to forgive. We need love. And it's these things that we, we actually can have a revelation now by the power of his word. And so he's leading us to be people that die to this world and then we resurrect in his word to a life, a, a life of light, okay? So um, if, if I, I just want to lead us in a prayer of repentance. So yeah, if you, if you feel in your heart to repent, maybe get to your knees or maybe down to your seat if you're, if you're not physically able, but... Let's just get before the Lord and just honor His Word. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Son. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the One through whom You spoke all things into existence, the very breath in our lungs from Your Word, from Your breath. And Father, we just want to say that we honor You. We honor Your Word this morning. We take a moment to repent and say, Lord, for where we've dishonored, we ask for forgiveness And Father, we pray that you would restore a a sense of honor um, to your word to the church, God. Father, we'd honor your word in a brand new way, your prophetic utterances and the word, your scripture that has proved itself through generations, where we'd see generations of people living a, a, a life of light and power and authority. And God, we pray you'd awaken us to the power of your word once again. Father, stir us with an appetite to read desperately to discover the truths in your word, truths that have been left uh, undiscovered for generations, God. Father, we pray that you would take what feels stale to to us and make it alive by the power of your spirit. And even now in this moment, Father, we pray for a fresh infilling of your spirit that would lead us uh, to be a people that would be desperate for your word, be a people that would speak your word. And Father, we pray this morning that as we make a commitment As we make a commitment uh, to read and to hear, Father, that you would see your church once again wielding that sword of the Spirit completely and and just able to take on everything you've called us to take on. And with that, Lord, we thank you that we would see an era where generational curses would truly be broken. Father, where we would see miracles, signs, and wonders take place like never before, and that we would see the church that you prophesy come to fruition in Jesus' mighty name. We repent and we thank you for your forgiveness, that you restore us by the power of your blood, and that we would walk forward with as people of light, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said... You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.